Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People highlights the interconnectedness of sexual health and mental health. I interview experts and people who have lived experiences with navigating stigma from sexual health and STI stigma to any sort of mental health stigma. And this is all in hopes to bridge the gap between expertise and lived experiences so that you're able to take away from this whatever it is that you need. Today is a solo episode and I want to Uh, Use my own experience here to highlight the interconnectedness of sexual health and mental health Uh, as I've been interviewing the last 200 plus podcast episodes, which if you've been here since day one, shout out to you. Thank you for uh, your ongoing support. And the common theme has been that our mental health is very much impacted by our sexual health and part of the reason is because oftentimes we are so identified with our sexuality our sexual identities and when we receive an sti diagnosis or when something's quote wrong with our ability to have sex that it shatters not only who we view ourselves to be around our sexuality because of an STI diagnosis, but it shatters like who we are. We lose touch with who we were prior to that change in STI status. And while I'm offering my own lived experience as a cisgendered, heterosexual, able-bodied, uh, upper lower class male. I had to throw that upper lower class in there. People people laugh when I say that, but I'd be dead ass serious. Um, this is just one experience. It's mine, and it's also coming from a place of someone who has had the privilege of being in therapy and exploring what my um, historic beliefs are, as well as um, someone who's privileged enough to be able to be open about their diagnosis. So throughout this podcast, you'll hear various stories from uh, acceptance, rejection, neutrality. Uh, You hear all of the emotions, right? And you get to hear me be on the other side of it and objectively observe and express curiosity in the other person and through that often support them in identifying something new within themselves that they hadn't recognized before or that they didn't know existed and I haven't had anybody to do that for me on this podcast Uh, I've done it in therapy of course and I've done it on my own processing on uh, my podcast self that I was hosting while something positive for positive people was on hiatus. And I'd like to bring a little piece of that here, not necessarily in the form of processing, because uh, thanks to being in therapy, I've been able to process things a lot quicker and find a shortcut to my feelings 
uh, about a particular situation whenever it is that it comes up I'm able to go to okay well this is the first time I felt it here's what I want to do moving forward here's how it validates or invalidates my identity and I remember very vividly in my very first therapy session when in 2020 when the pandemic started my therapist said to me I don't think you dealt with your own diagnosis. And I, at that point, had been uh, positive for genital herpes for seven years. And at that point, I had also been hosting something positive for positive people and running this nonprofit for almost four years. Yeah, because we're going on five years now. So it was about a year, a year and a half ago when he said that to me. And my visceral response was, you must not know who I am or what I do. Like, of course, I dealt with my diagnosis. And uh, it, it took for a lot of time for us working together for him to also bring up uh, a fear of mine. His question to me was, you know, what are you afraid of when it comes to connecting with people when it comes to going for and pursuing what it is that I quote want in relationships and I put air quotes around want because I verbalize very clearly that I don't know what I want and that's important to say now because it'll come back full circle at the end I just hope I remember to bring it back home and uh, I discovered through just talking out loud to myself um, that my relationship to rejection and my relationship to sex are very interconnected. Now, I say sexual health is mental health. You're going to hear this a lot from me as we move forward through podcast episodes and The rejection represents the mental health piece because it 100% impacts my behavior. My herpes diagnosis, it represents my beliefs. So when we look at stigma, how me having herpes is seen not only by other people, but also by myself is consistently in conflict my relationship to rejection is that's what what dictates my actions my behaviors because i don't like rejection nobody does and the way that i deal with rejection is i avoid it at all costs sometimes at the expense of taking no action sometimes at the expense of me like downplaying myself Uh, downplaying the fact that I am an attractive person, downplaying the fact that I'm intelligent, that I'm an eligible bachelor, that uh, all of these like strong qualities that I have, I downplay these things. The fact that I'm emotionally aware, the fact that um, people admire or look up to me or that I've saved people's lives, I downplay all that shit. And it's all for the sake of avoiding rejection. Now, the avoidance of rejection at its most visible level is the creation of 
something positive for positive people. And me being open about my herpes status, again, this thing that I have my views on, that other people have their views on. So I create this podcast, I'm open about my status, I share freely my lived experiences on this podcast, on other people's podcasts, and news articles, videos, my face is out there, you Google my name, the first thing you see is herpes, right? I do this. And the undercurrent, uh, the emotional or energetic undercurrent of my actions are shaped by not just other people's beliefs and around herpes stigma, but also my own. And the way that this shows up is uh, like it comes down to paralleling my favorite movie, 8 Mile. If you've seen 8 Mile before, uh, you you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Eminem at the end of the movie overcomes his his uh his his struggling, like his suffering of like just getting on stage and choking. He goes on stage after all of the trauma, the the perceptions of him for being a white dude rapping from a trailer park being a bum whose homeboy had is an uncle tom whose boy had sex with his girlfriend whose friend shot himself in the leg so like all these adversities against him he goes on stage for the championship round at a rap battle tournament or whatever and he just shits on himself he tells everything there is that anybody can say about him so you can't you can't clown him put courtney in b rabbit's shoes put the microphone in my hand like there there are many parallels here and you've got someone who yeah i have herpes but what bad things are you going to be able to say about me if the intention behind the birth of this podcast this organization stemmed from just wanting to help other people not have to get beat up through their diagnosis like I was or like how I beat myself up throughout my diagnosis for people who you know might be in that thought process of oh my god what if or wondering whether or not they have it or if they will get it or uh, the people who do have it like concerns about passing it on to someone concerns about having an outbreak concerns about rejection like I've been through all this shit and I didn't like it (laughs) but now here I am And I put myself out there and it has its ups and it has its downs. One of the main downs that it has is that I think I'm always on edge about somebody only wanting to be with me because it's easy because we both have herpes. I don't want the weight of my character, the weight of my um, compatibility with a potential partner to be something that's out of convenience because it's easy because we both have herpes you feel like we can be together and it'll be a good relationship because that's not the only 
bit of compatibility. That's not all we have to offer to one another. And then on the upside of it, like, you know, you know that I have herpes, you know what you're getting yourself into. If you know anything about me or if you see me on social media and if we meet in the streets and I like avoid talking about it at all costs, like I always do until it becomes a relevant thing. You know, I, I've put myself in a position where can't nobody make fun of me for having herpes. Nobody can, especially if you come across the fact that I have herpes because you find out that I run this suicide prevention resource for people with herpes. And if you do say something bad, you'll feel shitty about it. Like I have the ultimate defense against anybody coming at me for having herpes. And the way that this, another way that this plays out for me is it, it is an outsource or a manifestation, uh, manifestation, a manifestation <laughs> of my avoidance for experience and rejection because this 100% impacts the way that I date, the way that I navigate relationships, the way that I initiate or follow through with things and people and how I communicate with them because I am aware that I have this stigmatized condition that minimally impacts my sex life outside of me just having to tell somebody and then they're either okay with it, they have it, or they're not okay with it, and we go our separate ways. So, in my mind, I have mastered <laughs> um, my ability to manage rejection here. But uh, there, there are some situations that I haven't spoken about on this podcast, and I guess now at this point, if I'm sharing my own lived experiences, like it, it's relevant, but... Um, in the past, I had a partner. It was one of my first partners after my diagnosis. Um, if I give too many details, I need to give away who the person is. But we were together um, on and well, not on and off. We had a, like a long-standing friendship uh, for years and years. And then I told her that I had this, and um, she knew someone who also had genital herpes, and we dated for a while we had sex we had sex unprotected and i guess she was operating under the assumption that she too had it because i had it and everything online says that there's no way of completely preventing yourself from getting herpes from a partner and uh we had sex protected and unprotected and some time had passed and one day we were having sex like i was on top of her missionary position and she just like started crying and she was crying and said i can't do this so i pull out i go to the bathroom and I realized like she had just recently gotten tested for herpes and her test results came back negative. And that was the that was like the end of our relationship, but it, it wasn't the end of our like, I don't know, I, I want to call it something else. Like at that point, it became a situation ship and we still had sex a couple of times after that, but it was like there was you can tell that 
she felt bad about feeling the way that she felt. And this is like, ah, this is something I never talked about. <laughs> and um, you, you knew that she felt bad, but like, I don't, I don't want that to happen. Like, I, I don't want anybody to be with me out of guilt. I don't want anybody to, you know, view me as this virus. Like, I'm a whole ass human. Like, don't, don't look at me for anything less than that. I don't look at other people as anything less than being a whole ass human. So, like, I don't expect that in return by any means. And, you know, while, you know, she said that she was okay with it in the beginning and that she knew somebody with it and she was able to talk to that person and, you know, all in all, like, she wasn't okay with it. And it was like, that was an experience I had prior to hosting my podcast, prior to starting something positive for positive people. And it's something that I thought that I had just like tucked away and forgotten about um, up until recently where I had to share that story. And in sharing that story, I thought to myself, damn, you know, that's a very important, um, that's an important share. Because I think while it's been covered on here, um, most of this podcast offers a uh, female or yeah, female perspective. Um, here's mine, <laughs> you know, and this was um, this was something that it happened, and it's something that uh, perhaps there's a lesson in here for someone. Uh, but my goal in sharing this is that not every yes is a yes. And since th that moment for me, um, I recognize because I, I've been like triggered about that particular situation very recently. And it was just like something that I feel like uh, I needed to share. I've experienced a yes, you know, just after having disclosed on dating sites in my profile, I've experienced no's for the same reason. Um, I've experienced yeses and me too's, uh, after communicating for a bit with a potential partner on, uh, on dating sites or in text, um, same thing with the first dates and dating and after a few dates and more than anything, like now being as open as I am about it, it's safe for me to assume that anyone that I engage with is aware that I have herpes, right? And so there's my like defense mechanism. No one should make their way through the cracks who isn't okay with me having herpes because it's out there, I'm out there. Like, I, it's on my Instagram pages. It's on my social media. So anyone who, you know, is interested in me or I'm interested in, it doesn't avoid, it doesn't, like, prevent me from having to have a conversation with someone. It doesn't excuse that in any way, shape, or form. However, it is, like, my own thing of a trauma response really to 
be vocal about this, to have it out there, to put it out there for the world, to know, hey, everybody, I have herpes, but also um, here's what I'm doing with it. Here's what I'm doing about it. Here's what, uh, you know, life isn't about what happens to you. It's about what happens through you, right? And that's where it's been. And like, I, I talk to people who have it on a regular basis and they talk about just, it's so much easier to just date somebody else who has it. I don't want fucking easy. I don't want an easy life. Like, and that, that like, oh, it, it infuriates me that, and I, because of my value of liberation, right? Because it's inhibiting. It's an inhibiting belief to think that because you have herpes, you should only date people who have herpes. It's fucking frustrating. I hate that other people think that because it perpetuates this belief that, you know, people who don't have herpes uh, feel like people with herpes should only have sex with people with herpes. No. And if you're somebody who thinks like that, all right, cool. You know, you're free to have your own opinion. But like, again, you know, for what we know about this virus, there's no, there's no like consistency in testing and treatment. There's no way of not getting it unless you and you, your person that you choose to sleep with both have whatever the same test is. And that is the only thing that you go off of moving forward and you only have sex with each other. Like that to me has been the only, um, that's the only surefire way to not get herpes. Don't, don't like, that's what you got to (laughs) do. And I can't even say that that's the case because look at all of the herpes viruses that are a part of the family tree, right? I'm digressing. So yeah, I put up this wall of defense against rejection, right? And it, it, that's my response. Like when I say sexual health is mental health, like my sexual health status, if, if it was negative, if it was, if I didn't have an SCI, like I'm sure I'd probably do dating and relationships completely different than I do right now. And I would have no reason to be talking about sexual health. I'd have no reason to be talking about mental health. So like, yeah, my life, regardless of how much I try to like, say herpes didn't do shit for me it did i can admit that like having herpes 100 percent made me a better person herpes is my adversity no herpes is not the worst thing that ever happened to me however i'm grateful for this being something that happened to me because it did in fact give me a sense of direction that i hadn't had before and i say that because like if it weren't for this I wouldn't have come into contact with those people who were struggling with their sexual health to the point of fucking suicide ideation. Like, suicide. After a herpes diagnosis. Given what I've learned from my own experiences and the, at this point, had to have been thousands of people who've to some capacity share their experiences with me like we're living we're living people we're living with the shit like and we're still whole ass humans having our experiences and we still having worse shit happen to us we're also having better shit that's happening to us and you know my ass is over here (laughs) 
using this as a way of not having to deal with rejection. And the reason that I'm talking about this now is because now I'm having to deal with a rejection. And it's a very unique form of it, too. It's like the the kind where, you know, you you get excited because it's not rejection. You know, it's a, all right, cool, let's do this. And then it's like later on, no, I'm not okay with that. I wasn't okay with it. And I mean, I'm going to be honest, I feel like shit. (laughs) I feel like I should know better. I should be able to read the signs. And there's been this like split between who Courtney is and then who H on my chest is. Um, On one hand, you know, Courtney is the human who is like, hey, you can make mistakes. You can give yourself grace. You can apologize for it. Forgive yourself. And then there's H on my chest who's like, bruh, you know better. You know when you know to follow your gut, you know, to uh, you should have done this different. You should have did that. Like the, the critique in me, the the version of myself that holds myself to this higher standard of like being perfect, if you will. Like, I never want to put anybody in this situation that they don't want to be in. I don't want to be in a situation that I don't want to be in, nor do I want to be like. I don't want to, yeah, I just, I thought that my advocacy, my being out there would make me immune to rejection, and it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't, and looking at this from a lens of uh, being someone who is in therapy and talking about this stuff like I recognize my relationship to rejection and sex and if there's time I can get into that at the end of this but um yeah just speaking to this particular situation you know like the thoughts that come up as someone who has herpes who engages with someone who is unaware of their herpes status or who is negative for herpes to have received a to have received consent and then later, you know, find out that, you know, this actually, you know, I wasn't okay with it. You know, I, I did more research. I looked up more information and it looks like I might have it. Right. And the H on my chest in me is like, you did everything right. You asked, you got the yes and you move forward. It's not your, like that, let that person have their experience. It is what it is, but the Courtney and me, the 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 people pleasing, empathetic, give yourself grace. You know, the one who's responding from that familial place of trauma or whatever that's having that childhood savior mentality is like, no, let me let me like support you, let me help you, let me do this for you. And I mean, that's a real ass response. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> I know because I'm in it. And, you know, part of me is like, damn, well, this is probably the best time to go ahead and share this here because it's real, you know, and nobody's immune to rejection. Like, I've done this for years at this point. And, you know, at least since being at on my chest, it's the first time 
that it's happened this way for me. Um, I can think of another time where, like, I, I've had sexual partners that um, were negative or didn't know what their status was. And, you know, short term, long term, like, it happened. And to this day, none of them have ever told me that they have it. And so that's given me a lot of confidence in myself and knowing, hey, I'm taking care of my health, I'm taking care of my body, and I'm able to still have pleasurable and safer experiences with sexual partners that without like having the concern in my head of having to hold their hand through those phases of that I went through of this might be herpes, is this herpes, shit, it's herpes. feels good to be able to like let this out and share because I've been holding on to this shit for a minute <laughs> and by a minute I mean a, f- a few days but still like being able to go back and identify like the first time this happened because it's fucking triggering man and my visceral response here is just like a need for just like To know I'm not a bad guy. To know that I'm not a bad guy. And here's where the identity and validation comes from. Like, I look up to superheroes. I look up to anime characters. I look up to the good guy. And I'm in position now where there's a person out there right now who, while they may not say it, looks at me like the villain. And that's a direct invalidation of my identity. And that's why I'm struggling with this right now. And that's why I need to do something about my relationship to rejection. Because now it's not serving me. It's not serving me to avoid rejection. I got to I gotta face the shit. <laughs> and I can't continue to operate in the way that I do in order to deal with it. I've already um, recognized how I've dealt with rejection in one way, uh, in an avoidant way, and I fixed that in my career, in my personal life. Yeah, sex life is personal life, though. In my career, in my social life, let's say that I've dealt with my feelings with rejection but like my therapist said I haven't dealt with my herpes diagnosis all I did was put up this like defense mechanism that I can just put up set it forget it walk away from it (laughs) until it doesn't work and now I'm learning that it's flawed it doesn't always work and I gotta do something about this and looking at my relationship to rejection and any insecurities that I have. The only insecurity that I have right now is around my finances. I don't have an income and I'm living off of what I came here to Portland with a month ago was $5,000 and that's it. Like that's what I brought with me. So I'm doing the things to have an income, get an income. Um, But in the meantime, like, All I can do is just keep doing what I'm doing and waiting. Just waiting on the world to change. Nah, I'm 
waiting on <laughs> these uh I'm waiting on contracts, waiting on payments, due dates, interviews, all that shit. And I'm aware of that. And um for the first time recently I've been putting that out there like early in interactions with people like being able to say, hey, I can't do this thing because it would be financially irresponsible for me. You know how hard it is to tell somebody, hey, I ain't got no money. I'm 33 years old, college educated. I got all these life skills. I've got these credentials. I've got this detailed, dope ass resume, but I ain't got no money. So I can't go out to eat with you. I can't come visit you. I can't go on this date. I can't afford to hang out with you. <laughs> like, it fucking sucks. And yet, you know, I've been able to deal with that self-rejection for my financial situation. And there's so many other ways that we deal with rejection. And it's it's this one that I struggle with the most. Because going back to the sexual identity uh, being overall, like, where so much weight of our identities are... I know I ain't got no money, but you know what I do got? I got some decent dick, and that's been my saving grace for the past however long (laughs) I've been at this place with myself, and I think that I've overcompensated for that sexually because of my herpes diagnosis, like... My, my, I'm pretty sure my therapist thinks I have a sex addiction. I promise you I don't. I don't even think there's a such thing as sex addiction, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, that's where, while I'm not able to... Fuck, I'm going to have to tell this story in order to get to the point. Okay, so as a child, I vague, the, my mother was a single parent, and uh, it was me, her, and my grandfather growing up, basically. And... I remember much of my childhood, there were moments where I would want to connect with my mom. I'd want to hug. I'd want to just be up under my mom as a, you know, young boy living with his mom, right? And uh, there were times where, again, my mom had me young. She'd be like, get out of here. I'm on the phone. Or she'd like, I'd just be brushed away at the expense of, uh, I don't even know why I said at the expense of. I think that's one of my buzz statements. But I'd just be kind of blown off when I just would want some affection from my mother, right? Uh, And it it seemed like I was being deprioritized. And this is my interpretation, not to say what it was. But it would seem like I was being deprioritized to uh, other men. And the only thing that these other men were able to give to my mother that I wasn't would be sex, right? So growing up, um, I remember that, like, it was okay for my mom to offload emotions onto me. And what I learned was that sex took precedence over um, my emotions, like, Okay, well, my mom prioritized this, so this must be what's more important than uh, me showing my emotions. And then it was like whenever she needed an emotional connection or if the guy that she was seeing at that point in time wasn't there or available, then that's where I would come in for the emotional support, the emotional labor. 
I say that this has made me a very, um, very good at having this seemingly infinite emotional capacity, right? If I can't do anything else, all right, I can hold space for you. I can absorb your emotions, dump the shit on me. All right, cool. And then on the other hand, it's just like, all right, well, uh, sex, dick, physical connection will always take precedence over that. And here we are at 33 years old, and I kind of get like a similar uh, dynamic that plays out in my day-to-day life of, you know, what women aren't getting from the person that they want it from, emotional connection. Uh, When they can't get that from them, then it's like, I'm the next best thing. I'm the go-to after uh, the person who is able to receive the, the, the physical element of them. So how this plays out, played out, because now uh, I know better, how it's played out is I feel like the priority is sex. Like it, it, it's almost like a flip-flop from childhood to adulthood in a way. Like I'm feeling like I want to connect with you if I want to just be up under you as my potential partner, if I just want to cuddle, if I want to talk about my day, if I want to be emotionally intense and I'll put my emotions onto someone. I feel like the only way to to really do that and for it to feel safe is through sex because that's my interpretation of what happened when I was a child or that. I'm talking like something bad happened, but like this was the narrative that I grew up with. So now in adulthood, um, up until now, because like I said, I recognize it, sex to me serves as a way of not being rejected because as a kid, I was rejected for reaching out for intimacy in the form of non-sexual activity. And even now, you know, like it's very rare for me when someone asks how I am that I decide to open up to them. And three out of four times when I choose to do that, it's it's dismissed. You know, like I'll even make an attempt to be like, all right, let me see if this person's safe. I'm going to actually share with you how I feel. And then to experience like that kind of rejection, you know, it it, it hurts a little bit, but it's what I'm used to. Like I'm more like I'm more resilient in that sense. Like, all right, let me try to get some intimacy from you and that emotional intimacy, emotional connection. And then when it's not welcomed or when it's not reciprocated, it's like, oh, well, this is what I'm used to. But then sexually, it's like the next best thing for me. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you don't want intimacy from me. You want sex from me. And then you want to offload your emotions. So it's like I've created this uh, narrative in my head that sex is safe, but intimacy is not safe. So if I want, I have to like substitute my need for emotional connection to be reciprocated for sex. And that's where the like, what's it called? The artificial. Yeah. It's like artificial connection. Sex is artificial connection. So the the feeling of rejection sexually is a lot more rare for me 
because I don't put myself in the position to be rejected for sex because like now I'm open about my herpes status, right? So anyone who initiates something, like I don't really initiate sexual contact. I have to know that this might happen in order for me to move forward sexually with somebody. And I've learned that about myself. Like I don't initiate and that's part of the reason why I get into a lot of unfavorable situations for myself. Because it's just like, I'm not going for what I want. I'm taking what comes to me or I'm taking what I can get. Not to say that what I'm getting isn't great or phenomenal or fantastic or have potential. But I know that I'm not willing to really put myself out there and be rejected. All of me being out there and um, capable of being rejected. So I had to give that background to say (laughs) what I'm about to say here. And that's that, you know, having sex or um, acceptance through sex is like an artificial version of receiving acceptance for the thing that I wish I was accepted for as a kid, which was being safe to give my emotions being safe for me to express myself emotionally and I was just and and, you know whenever I and it's rare it hasn't happened but once that I'm able to remember where I was like able to have intimacy intimate connection with someone and feel like damn you're an emotionally safe person like I can open up to you I can share how I'm feeling with you this is really vulnerable for me and to be met with what felt safe, what felt authentic, what felt real, what felt like real intimacy to be able to then, you know, take that into a sexual exchange or a sexual encounter altogether like that. That's a whole new level right there. That's something I can't say that I've experienced before. Being safe to be myself, be transparent, be who I am, and also be able to like speak to my feelings and shit that I've been through and talk like this to somebody and then be able to have sex. That shit was bomb. I ain't gonna lie. That was different. (laughs) That shit hit different. (laughs) And to have received that and along with the acceptance of my herpes status like it was exciting exciting and then you know later to be told hey I'm actually not okay and I'm scared I'm scared that you gave me this I'm scared that I might have herpes not that no symptoms are present of course and like I know how to do my best to prevent partners from getting it but that doesn't mean that it isn't gonna happen but like to be met with that disappointment after such excitement after having like seemingly finally put myself in a situation that was not uh that that defied the narrative of my childhood you know um of like sex being the priority over emotions like I I flipped that shit and it was healthy it it felt good to be met with the disappointment of that not actually (laughs) being 
um, of it not being what I thought it was. Like I, I got excited and I was met with disappointment. It wasn't expectation. It was excitement and then disappointment, which then triggers my daddy issue. <laughs> That's a whole nother story there that we definitely don't have time for. But if you listen to past episodes, you'll know what my daddy issue is. If I get excited, then I'll be disappointed. <sighs> but yeah, that that really this entire experience speaks to the interconnectedness of sexual health and mental health. And this is just my recent experience, my exploration of what has happened in my life experience. This is what it looks like, you know, when you haven't dealt with your herpes diagnosis. And it, it and not dealing with um, rejection. This is what that all looks like. I share this because maybe, maybe in me doing this for myself, speaking about it, putting it out there, I might be able to find the thing that I need to provide comfort, to have grace for myself, to forgive myself, and to just understand, you know, from this other person's perspective, like, they're not trying to hurt me they're not trying to trigger me like nobody wants herpes like let's just be real about that and the only person i can think of who wants it is the person who loves their partner so much that they just want to alleviate the anxiety from that person about them possibly getting it so that they can move forward and have the intimacy the sex life that they wish that they were able to have So I'm, I'm so used to like asking other people the questions and interviewing them, but I want to ask myself here, you know, just expressing the curiosity, like with the understanding that sexual health is mental health and the understanding that the way that herpes, sex and rejection all play out for me, like, what are you what are you going to do, Courtney? Like, how are you going to recover from this? How are you going to heal from this? And the short answer to this is like, I got to trust myself. I got to stop making an attempt to separate who Courtney is from who H on my chest is because there's this consistent internal dialogue of, you know, you should know better. And then you're human. Like, there's a, the push-pull, the tug-of-war, right? I got to bring those together. And I recognize, like, my value is not exclusively limited to my dick. It's not exclusively limited to my finances. There is so much more to me than that. And the thing that I have thought that you know, like my, my ability to absorb and take on people's emotions, women's emotions, and be this emotionally aware pe- person. Like, I always thought that was a weakness. You know, I've always been taught, like, oh, damn, you too soft. Ain't no, ain't no girl gonna wanna fuck you. Ain't nobody gonna wanna be with no man like that. Like, I, that was shit. That was what I grew up believing and thinking. And, like, that 
reality has been validated so often leading into adulthood until I began to like start accepting that shit this is just who I am like maybe I don't want to be the dude that women just want to fuck right maybe I want to be the dude that women have a connection with that people have a connection with and if there's sexual attraction there's sexual attraction and we can explore that after the emotional safety and intimacy has been established Rather than me, like, putting putting all the power invested in me into my dick and also having to navigate herpes, like, it, yeah, it's it's been unhealthy. And, um, like, I have a very solid support system around me. And in vaguely talking about this, you know, I recognize, like, all right, maybe just slow down on the sex stuff. But, like, this time it felt safe it felt different it felt like there was legitimate intimacy and emotionally emotional connection because i was able to give the emotion part i am so used to dating emotionally unavailable women and physically unavailable women like i that that's just been my narrative the less available you are the more of me you can handle because i don't have to expect reciprocity Like, it's just a matter of, all right, I can infinitely give, and there will be no expense, there will be no expectation, cool. But I got a glimpse of what it was like to, like, have somebody do for me what I have done for others for so long, which is just, like, be heard, and be, you know, not just accepted, but understood and supported in that, in the exchange of, like, the the deep stuff. Not the superficial stuff. You know, like to me, the superficial stuff is, you know, we both got herpes. We both like these things sexually. All right, let's do it. But to have had the, like, this is who I am. This is who you are. Let's connect. We connect. And then, bam, oh, sex is on the table. All right, well, here, here's the conversation we need to have. You, you cool with it? Because I put myself out there so you know ahead of time. And if you weren't okay with it, then we shouldn't, we shouldn't be having sex or we shouldn't have gotten to this point. Like that's, that's not, I I, I can't like hide behind that anymore. I don't want to hide behind that, but also don't want somebody to only want to fuck with me because we both have herpes and it's easy and convenient. Uh, So there's that tug of war, right? With the integration of Courtney and H on my chest into a whole ass human, I think there's a way to identify what's safe for me, what's healthy for me, and what can be pleasurable. So to answer the overall question here, like it's restructuring the narrative that my that what women want more than uh, the emotions or what potential partners want from me more than the emotions is sex like I can't I can't you know make that assumption I can't put that on myself because I know that whatever my insecurities are like I don't need to overcompensate for sex 
I don't need to overcompensate for like doing shit like buying the first round of drinks because I know that more people gonna come later and if this is what the pattern is like I'd rather buy three drinks now than seven later because <laughs> I've done that it's, it's, a, it's a game <laughs> but it's so much easier to just be transparent it's so much easier to trust yourself and lean into who you know yourself to be and I know myself to be a good ass dude I know myself to be someone who aligns with the values and character of my favorite anime characters and superheroes like that's who I know myself to be and I'm leaning into my emotional awareness and like that's that's what I fucking bring to the table good dick is like a side <laughs> like that's, that's a peripheral thing but I shouldn't like feel the need to withhold myself emotionally so that I can get that artificial connection, that artificial intimacy. Like, I want the real shit. I want the authentic shit. And that's only going to be able to happen if I'm willing to face rejection and put myself out there in vulnerable positions. And not in a way of, like, avoiding rejection, but in a way that allows for me to uh, face it head on and deal with it in the way that it comes up to be dealt with. can't wait to talk to my therapist about this one <laughs> he gonna be like i know what he gonna say because he told me he was like well why don't you just not have sex for a while like why don't you just not date for a while and i was like yeah you know what i can do that and even that was like an attempt to avoid rejection because then if i say to myself all right i'm not dating i'm not gonna date then i don't have to put myself in the position to get rejected like, I, I recognize that a lot of the stuff that I've done and said and uh, the, the behaviors and beliefs are efforts to avoid dealing with rejection altogether. So, like, what are you doing to avoid rejection? Right? Like, I can't tell you how many times, like, I've seen people who are like, because of herpes, dot, dot, dot. And sometimes it is just having herpes. But other times it's other things. You know, in my case, it's my insecurities. Like, what insecurities do you have? What insecurities are you avoiding? What insecurities are you working on? Why are you afraid of rejection? For me, it's my financial insecurities. And it's been my insecurities around just thinking that, you know, my giving of emotions is unsafe so i'm not gonna I'll, I'll test the waters but if it's not too if it's not safe enough i'm not going in fuck it like i don't i don't have to i don't want to i'm not gonna keep putting myself in position to be rejected but i know that if i take on the emotions of other people other partners that i will be that that's welcome that's well received and just maybe maybe i'll get to connect with them in that artificial way of having sex but I want the authentic shit. I want the real shit. I want that good shit. Give me that. And that shit, this comes in line with my identification as a demisexual person. But, you know, that's not, that's not, that's not cool. That's not what your homeboy said. It ain't what, you know, it ain't what your boy said. It ain't what culture says. Fuck culture. I ain't here for all of that. <laughs> 
to my emotional intelligence. Like my value is not exclusively limited to my dick or my sexuality or my ability to provide sex for a potential partner. Like I have a limitless, infinite capacity for emotional awareness, emotionally being able to give. I deserve to be able to be received and for it to be reciprocated. And shit, man, I'm not gonna settle for less than that if it comes at the cost of experiencing a few rejections and having that childhood trigger arise like I'm gonna have to deal with it as a flight fight freeze fawn and challenge response to being triggered and I'm more than anything leaning into those challenge responses to things deciding all right this is what I'm feeling okay cool here's how I'm gonna deal with it and then moving forward accordingly. So I share all of this to share with you, you know, give you the opportunity to identify what your challenge response looks like. What's it look like for you to challenge yourself? (sighs) This felt good. I don't like, like, I don't like the (laughs) situation where it stands, but I gotta let go. I gotta let go of this disappointment. I gotta forgive myself. And, you know, this is my advice to anybody else who might be facing the challenge of, you know, dealing with rejection, whatever it looks like. Regardless if the person said yes then, and then later it was like, ah, you know, I'm actually not okay with this. But, you know, we, we know where those go. We know the trajectory of yes now, no later. Like, whether that person tests positive or negative, the resentments, the frustrations, the fear, the inability to like see you, the inability to see anything else, man. Like I, I just, sexual health is mental health. And the sooner we begin to see that, the sooner we can change the narrative that surrounds stigma in general, not just STI stigma, but also mental health stigma. And that's the goal. That's the goal moving forward. I talked about it in the last podcast episode. And hopefully here, me sharing my experiences now is something that helps someone. Like I said, it's a cis heterosexual, upper lower class, male privilege of being open about their status perspective. But it's still a perspective. And it's my perspective. This is my experience, my story. I hope and pray that. I don't say I hope and pray. (laughs) I hope that this is something that is useful to somebody. And I think it will be. Because at the very least, it was useful to me. I needed this. I feel like I'm going to sleep real good tonight. (laughs) All right. And uh, just like I said last time, you know, as we move forward, when I talk about sex positivity, we're in offering inclusivity to the mental health aspect as well. So till next time, stay sex positive.